Hey friends, you know every once in a while you run into an organization and you think, man, these people really love the church. Well, I have bumped into the, our friends at CDF Capital for the last couple of years, and I can tell you they are those people. They're part of a movement that is helping churches and church leaders bring the light of Jesus to the world through their capital. While they're best known for church loans and investments, they're humble folks who serve along servant leaders like you who want to see the good news of Jesus shared with those who need it most. Through this incredible co collaboration between them and leaders like you, they develop spiritual capital through prayer and connecting, leadership capital through cohorts and coaching, and then financial capital through investments and loans. Listen, I would love for you to reach out and talk to CDF Capital. You know why? Because there's so much more than money. It's so much more than just metrics. It's more than just you and me. It's ultimately about ministry and about Jesus. They're CDF Capital. They're way more than just a lender. They're way more than just a place for your church to put your investment funds. Listen, what I want you to do is I want you to sign up to learn more about CDF Capital and how they can help your church. And when you do this, you're going to re receive a 50% discount on a monthly subscription to the C CDF Capital subscribe and save bundle. And you can get this at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary. Again, I love these guys. They're here to help you in so many different ways. cdf.capital forward slash unseminary. I want to thank them for being our premier sponsor and for today's episode as well. cdf.capital forward slash unseminary today. Are you looking for practical ministry help to inform and inspire your leadership? Do you have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of other leaders in pursuit of stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast, presented by CDF Capital, helping churches grow. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary. Well, hey, friends, welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. So glad that you have decided to tune in. You know, every week we try to bring you a leader who will both inspire and equip you. And today's absolutely no exception. Super excited to have Tony Morgan with us. He's the founder and lead strategist of an organization called the Unstuck Group. They help churches get Unstuck. Unstuck offers consulting, coaching with several kind of different areas, including uh, multi-site, staffing, digital strategy, just to name a few. Uh, they've been around for quite a while. Tony's previous experience was in senior leadership roles at Westridge, at New Spring, at Granger. Uh, he's published several books and also hosts his own podcast. Tony is, uh, the reason why, there's a lot of reasons why I love Tony. One of the reasons why I love him is he is in the corner of church leaders. He loves church leaders and wants to help. So Tony, welcome to the show. So glad you're here. Rich, it's so good to be with you, and, and at, you just nailed, uh, you just nailed it. I mean, that's what I'm about. I'm trying, I'm yeah, trying totally. to help uh, churches get unstuck, but honestly, it comes down to the pastors and church leaders that we get to serve. And uh, I know, especially after these last couple of years, whether you're in Canada or the U.S. or anywhere else, my goodness. These have been challenging days, uh, and so we do. We want to be in your corner uh, trying to help you accomplish the mission God has for your church. So thank you for giving me this opportunity. Yeah, and I know we've I've I've joked with your team about this, and I think I've joked with you about it. You know, I do coaching and consulting with churches on churches as well, and it seems like every time I talk to people, they're either 
they've either just talked with you or they're talking with you, which is great. <laughs> and so, which is fantastic. And there's more than enough churches to go around. And so I, I love pointing people to you guys. I really do think, right, this is not, a, this is not an ad. I asked Tony to come on. Mm-hmm. I, I really do think that what you do is great for churches and you make such a difference. And there are folks in this market uh, who will remain unnamed, who I get the vibe that they look at churches as just another market. It's like they could be selling to people who run grocery stores, but they're selling to churches. And and that's not you guys at all. That's You really are, you want to make a difference. And so I just love that. I think it's an honor to call you guys uh, friends. So I, I love Unstuck, love what you're up to. Uh, well, what fill out the picture there. What am I missing about Unstuck? Is there parts of your story we want to make sure we get out there before we we roll in? Yeah, I mean, uh, we do. We're trying to provide all kinds of coaching and content. As much of that as free, <laughs> free of yes. charge as we can, Rich. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, what we love to do is actually be on site working with churches where we walk through a process to help them kind of assess where the church is, what's working, what's stuck right now. Um, Mm -hmm. plan for the future. Um, And Mm -hmm. needless to say, again, after these last couple of years, I think churches are recognizing kind of that mission, strategy, vision for the future. There need to be some tweaks right now. And then Mm -hmm. making sure your structure is in place, whether that's staffing or volunteer structure to support that. Mm -hmm. And that's the core of what we do to help churches. Mm -hmm. But in the meantime, if there's some content uh, that we can offer that will be help you and your leadership and help your team consider next steps. Uh, we're grateful for that opportunity. Love it. So good. Well, you, one of the things you do consistently are these trend reports, the unstuck uh, church report who mm-hmm. every time I see these friends, this is on my required reading list. Whenever it comes <laughs> out, I am always pouring over it. Uh, there's so much good stuff. Um, and we're kind of caught when we're recording this, we're kind of caught between quarters. And so the last most recent public one was the Q1 2022. Uh, but uh, you know, you're working on another one, the team's working on another mm-hmm. one, but I, there was a couple things in there particularly that's stood out to me. This report was, if I'm, if I'm correct, it's really the first report that has a whole year of data, uh, you know, in relation to kind of the, whatever you, I don't even know what you call this anymore. Post COVID, you know, inter COVID, whatever this season that we're in. So you're right. Uh, Yeah. Let me just confirm. So this is the first time one of these reports, when we go year to year comparisons, it's actually, on this side of the beginning of the pandemic compared to a year before when we were still mm-hmm. in the pandemic. So mm-hmm. I think we're for the first time getting a true sense of not, and again, not just COVID, but my, mm-hmm. the world has, we've just experienced so much these last couple mm-hmm. of years, but we're finally starting to see a glimpse of how this is starting to impact church ministry as well. Yeah, love it. One of the things that stood out to me was, there's a bunch in this report, again, friends, you want to pick it up, but one of the things that stood out to me was this whole conversation about baptisms and Mm -hmm. the fact that in the 12 months preceding that uh, baptisms actually went up, which is... uh, fascinating. I, you know, I think it, it t- tells us a bit of a story of what's happening under the hood. Uh, you know, I've often joked in other contexts. I think that baptism is a great thing to measure because it's like a real issue. You have to get people under the water. You know, it's like, it's, yeah. it's a good thing to measure uh, yeah. outside of it's like, you know, what it means spiritually. It's, it's, a, it's kind of a fun metric. Talk to us about what you learned. What are you seeing? And what do you think the implications for that, you know, in this season for our churches are, is? 
Yeah, so um, I'm actually encouraged to see baptism start to bounce back over the last Mm -hmm. uh, 12 months because, you know, again, looking at this data a year ago, now granted, you know, especially for Canadian churches, but other Mm -hmm. churches just being locked down and not being able to meet, certainly Mm -hmm. that impacted the actual Mm -hmm. number of people getting baptized as well, though Mm -hmm. we found churches um, engaged in some creative ways, ways for folks to experience baptism and go public with their faith. Um, even though the church wasn't meeting. But all mm-hmm. that said, um, the baptism numbers were low a year ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that, that was actually co- uh, it was actually confirmation of what we were seeing in other areas of the data where mm-hmm. it just didn't look like churches were reaching many new people. And right. I get it. I mean, especially at the beginning of the pandemic, I think churches were so focused on how do we how do we take care of our own congregations mm-hmm. that honestly, I think ministries lost sight of the broader mission, which is mm-hmm. to spread the gospel and mm-hmm. uh, point people, uh, including new people, to Jesus. Uh, and mm-hmm. so it's, it's, it's just encouraging for me now a year later to see that starting to bounce back. And in case you're curious, and I think mm-hmm. this is just a good barometer for any church to be considering, the really the average number mm-hmm. of people that churches are baptizing is mm-hmm. five people for every hundred people in attendance in mm-hmm. any given year. And so if your church, you know, if your church has a thousand people in attendance, I would mm-hmm. expect eh, probably between 50 and 60 people on average to go mm-hmm. public with their faith through baptism. And so if you're curious, you know, how are we doing based on mm-hmm. the size church we are, that's kind of a good benchmark to be looking at. And of course, we hear stories, too, of churches that are experiencing far more life transformation mm-hmm. than that. In fact, a church that Amy Anderson and I, she's our director of consulting, we were just mm-hmm. with them uh, last week. And um, gosh, it's amazing what God is doing in their ministry, mm-hmm. especially mm-hmm. in this season. But just, I think it was over Palm Sunday, they baptized 250 people in, in one mm-hmm. on one Sunday. Wow, and so, that's amazing. That's uh, that's what I, that, those are the stories, Rich, that I love to hear, especially now, uh, because yes, it feels yes. like uh, I mean we've had so much working against us as church mm-hmm. ministries in these mm-hmm. last number of years. It's fun to see some celebration now of mm-hmm. real transformation happening people in people's Absolutely. lives, and and uh, goodness, I love hearing stories like that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I know a part of my area of work is helping people with this whole idea of invitability that, you know, growing churches are churches that encourage their people, train their people, equip them, motivate them to, you know, to invite friends, that that's like a huge piece of what we have to do. And there for sure, the joke I've made with churches through this has been, there was a season there where inviting a friend to a church felt like, yeah, I'm inviting you to get sick or like you come and like, you might catch a deadly disease, you know, but can you join us this weekend? And it makes sense that there was obviously a drop in invitability there, uh, you know, for a while. I love that five per 100. Again, friends, this is why Tony's so great. He's like, I play, I play an expert on the internet. Tony actually is one. Um, When you think about churches, you know, trying to encourage that number, trying to encourage baptism. Um, are there, are there some best practices on that or some things we should be thinking about trying to move people towards that? Or so what would advice would you give to churches that are wrestling with that? Yeah. I mean, uh, obviously it's, it's God moving in people's lives that ultimately gets them to a place where they begin to follow Jesus and then hopefully Mm -hmm. go public with that decision through baptism. 
Mm-hmm. However, uh, Rich, I mean, it, you could, I could, I wish I could just show you practically yes. what, how this plays out in most churches, because mm-hmm. really one of the things we want to help churches think about is people are on the spiritual journey that mm-hmm. for most, I mean, I think for everyone begins with mm-hmm. in this place where folks aren't interested in faith, mm-hmm. maybe not even curious about faith. And over time, hopefully God intervenes in their life in some way where they start to ask spiritual questions, eventually mm-hmm. put their faith in Jesus, then mm-hmm. engage with a church and go through a discipleship journey and mm-hmm. ultimately become disciple makers themselves. And so there's these steps that we want to, in the churches that we're working with, that we want to help them just kind of identify what's what's our strategy, what's that spiritual journey mm-hmm. going to look like for people so that we're encouraging folks to take their next steps towards Christ. And what I find interesting in the churches that we're engaging with is mm-hmm. that um, there are a lot of churches that have great discipleship strategies in place once people connect to the church and once people mm-hmm. are connected to faith. Mm-hmm. But I think what distinguishes the churches that are seeing the most life change is mm-hmm. not only do they have a discipleship strategy, they also have a reach strategy. It's mm-hmm. well-defined. In other words, mm-hmm. they they are very intentional about how they're trying to engage people outside mm-hmm. the church and outside the faith. And um, mm-hmm. there are many aspects to that for the churches that are doing mm-hmm. this well, including, by the way, intentionality around Sunday morning worship mm-hmm. services. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the key and the distinction that we see oftentimes is for the churches that are seeing a lot of life change and therefore baptisms mm-hmm. are higher, it's because they have both a discipleship strategy and a reach strategy. Yeah, I love that. You know, I the the thing I've noticed similarly over the years in helping people on that reach strategy side using the language that you're using there is I think there's this misnomer that like churches that are thinking about the front door are ignoring the back door. And that's just Mm -hmm. not the the case with fast growing churches. They are working on both sides of that equation. They are thinking very clearly about what are we doing to reach new people and to keep the people that we're having. They're not, it's like a, it was like a preaching point for a while there where it was like, you could only do one or the other. That's just not actually true. That's not how churches that are making the kind of impact uh, that we're, that we're seeing um, that are exceeding maybe what is normal. Um, they really see it as both connected for sure. What would you say on that? If there was that false dichotomy in the, the churches that you're engaging with, that you're trying to help be unstuck, do they have more, again, using the forced dichotomy, is it mm-hmm. a, a reach problem or a key problem? Is it, is it, which, yeah. which of those it seems that they need to spend more time working on? That's a good question. I mean, uh, there have been some rare exceptions where we've gone in and attendance has been declining, not because they have a front door challenge, but because there is more of a back door challenge. In other words, that Mm -hmm. discipleship strategy wasn't as defined as it needed to be, as clear as it needed to be. And so people, Mm -hmm. new people were connecting to the church and connecting to the faith and kind of getting stuck in that spiritual Mm -hmm. journey. But by far, the more common challenge, Rich, that we see is churches that don't have a backdoor issue. It really is more of a front door where they're just not engaging enough new people. Mm-hmm. In fact, um, in one mm-hmm. of the recent uh, podcast episodes, Amy and I were talking about this. Mm-hmm. This is the great wisdom that I periodically offer, Rich. Mm-hmm. If you want mm-hmm. to grow your church, if you want your attendance mm-hmm. to grow, you mm-hmm. actually have to reach new people. 
uh, at your church. Uh, they pay me the big bucks for wisdom like that. <laughs> yes, yes, I think yes. sometimes um, as as church leaders, we forget the fact that I mean, people are living life, and included in living mm-hmm. life is job changes and moves mm-hmm. and things like that. Mm-hmm. And so there's just this natural attrition that mm-hmm. happens in churches. And frankly, if we don't have an intentional reach strategy in place, it's just a matter of time before mm-hmm. our churches start to plateau and decline. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I liken it to at the Unstuck group, I, we eventually do have to make some money uh, to mm-hmm. for my family to have food on the table, but also to mm-hmm. pay the salaries and support mm-hmm. everybody else on our team. Mm-hmm. And if we just focused on the churches that we were currently engaged with, we would be about six months out from having to shut our doors because yes, we yes. Co- we need this constant stream of new churches that we're serving in order to pay the bills, but yes, also to yes. help us continue to fulfill our mission. And mm-hmm. as church leaders, I think sometimes we we just are we're so focused on ministering to and pastoring the people that are already a part of our congregation that mm-hmm. we forget that part of the mission that God's mm-hmm. called us to is to actually go engage new people to try mm-hmm. to share the gospel message so that new people begin to mm-hmm. fall in love and follow Jesus. Mm-hmm. Dude, love it. I love that. That's uh, that's good to hear. You know, it's an interesting, uh, that's a fun way to think about it that, you know, for some reason we can make that translation when we think about organizations or businesses, but it's like we I think there's a segment of the church world that it that feels almost like unspiritual to like think about what are we doing to reach new people, which is ironic. There's something strange about that, but th- but that does seem to be out there. Yes. Yeah. Um, go, so and, not, go go and make new disciples. It's it, it's our mission, right? Yeah. So yes, it's yeah. not a new idea. It's <laughs> not a new means. idea. <laughs> yeah. So one of the things that so in the last couple of years. I love the transition that has happened with church online and I love mm-hmm. what's taken place on that front. Uh, probably a year ago, I was talking to a f- friend who I've done a bunch of work with their church and um, he was reflecting back on his own leadership. And he said, you know, if you were to ask me in February, 2020, um, he's like, I didn't have a Facebook personal Facebook account. Um, I was not online. I, uh, in fact, I, I don't know that I ever preached against church online, but I definitely was the guy who kind of dogged it. Um, and then in, he said, I distinctly remember it was like March 17th, whatever the date he was, he pulled all his pastors together and he said, all right, friends, y'all need to open up a Facebook account. You need to figure out how to do <laughs> Facebook live and we got to move this thing online. And then, and you know, and it was a great statement. This is a great leader who's like, listen, I'm so humbled by what God's done on our online stuff. I'm, you know, I'm sad that we missed it, you know, all those years. It was kind of a cool engagement. But here we are two years past all that. Now I talk to leaders all the time and they're like, we have all these people attending online. I have no idea who those people are. I'm not sure. What do we do with those people? What, what so what are you seeing in the churches you're work, working with? How, what is, what is this, you know, either the stats are telling you or just as you're engaging in conversations as, you know, we're kind of a couple years past this online revolution that's happened. What, where are we at today on that? Yeah. So it, let me, uh, this is actually some, you're getting a sneak peek, Rich, at mm-hmm. some of the new data Ooh, coming love out. It. Ooh, love it. First, first release here. Yeah. You're not going to get in trouble. Tiffany's not going to get you in trouble here, is she? She's not gonna uh, well, I might get in trouble. <laughs> Tiffany's fine, but I might be the <laughs> yes, one that gets I mean, in that's trouble. what I'm saying. She's yeah. not going to be the one that's going to get you in trouble. <laughs> yeah. So um, this is, uh, this is the first quarter now in mm-hmm. all, I mean, over these last two and a half years of dealing with pandemic and everything else. 
This is the first quarter that we've actually seen a drop in online engagement, drop mm-hmm. in the number of people viewing online services. Mm-hmm. It was uh, the fresh data showing about a 15% year-over-year decline. Mm-hmm. And um, so here now, um, the in, in fact, the data looking at in-person average weekly attendance in this next quarter's report, it's a mm-hmm. little bit better than the last mm-hmm. report. The last mm-hmm. report showed a 30% decline year-over-year for mm-hmm. in-person attendance this this next mm-hmm. quarter i think it's 27 or 28 percent decline year over year mm-hmm. so there's a bit of an uh, improvement but attendance is still down year over year yes, yes. in churches yeah, yeah, yeah. and i think as pastors and church leaders we've been kind of i don't want to say we're okay with that but at least somewhere in the back of our, our mind mm-hmm. we've been We've been using online engagement to kind of offset mm. that in our mind. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. until this last report, I, I could see why pastors were using that to justify that. But hmm. now what the data is showing is not only is there a decrease in in-person attendance, but there's also a decrease in online engagement. Mm-hmm. And so I think over these last number of months, we've been hopeful that mm-hmm. people that aren't in attendance are still watching and engaged online. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, and I'm sure some of that is still happening, but mm-hmm. if if it was happening, we're starting to see that attrition mm-hmm. in online engagement as well. And mm-hmm. I kind of understand, I mean, if the only connection right. with our ministry was by watching services online and people aren't connected to a group, and they're not mm-hmm. connected to serving opportunities, and they're never showing up in person on mm-hmm. Sunday morning to just kind mm-hmm. of experience what it is to be on mission together as a body mm-hmm. of Christ, then I can see over time how there would start to be a disconnect if, they're mm-hmm. only, if their only involvement was watching services online. I think we're starting to see the front end of that. And, mm-hmm. you know, it was big speculation through, throughout all of COVID. How long will people do this? It might mm-hmm. be about two years, and that's right. It. Yes, so about um, eight quarters, and here we are. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So now, yeah. is it going to just cut off immediately? No, I don't think so. No. But over time, I do think there's something to us um, mm-hmm. con- continuing to press in, at, even mm-hmm. in our online opportunities, mm-hmm. to encourage mm-hmm. people. Yeah, I- I'd love for them to come back to Sunday worship. But at a minimum, people need to get involved in in others' lives. There there yes. need to be opportunities for us to engage with other believers, um, whether that's in a Bible study or a home group or a serving opportunity. We we need that. Um, yep. The other thing I would add here is I still believe in online, mm-hmm. and yes. what I'm yes. seeing more and more is that when it comes, we talked about the difference between reach and discipleship strategies for Mm -hmm, churches mm -hmm. and how they eventually overlap and and kind of Mm -hmm. feed off of each other. Um, Mm -hmm. The churches that are effectively leveraging online, it's really helping them with the front door side, that reach Mm -hmm. portion of their um, ministry strategies. Mm -hmm. I think over time, we're going to learn there are some things we can do related to discipleship online, but Mm -hmm. honestly, discipleship is highly relational. I mean, yes, it's one yes. life on another life. And it, yeah, we can we can do some of that online, mm-hmm. um, but we really need people kind of sharing life together for that real yes. transformative change to happen. And so 
<laughs> when it comes to reach strategies, though, online, it's I mean, there's a lot of opportunity there for us to engage with people that aren't currently a part of the church and aren't currently a part of the faith. In fact, uh, Rich, my volunteer serving op- opportunity that mm-hmm. I engage at my church yep. Uh, is in the connection space. And it's kind of where new people stop before and after the services. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you the last time I talked with a new person who did not, before showing up on Sunday morning, oh, sure. watch a service online. I can't oh, sure. tell you the Absolutely. last time that that happened. And so yes. it's it's really critical, I think, for us and our reach strategies to be leveraging online. Um, but we can't be assuming that people connected to our church can live their entire mm-hmm. ministry uh, relational existence online. I just don't think that's possible. Yeah, it's so fascinating. I, I think that's so true. And I, you know, as we wrestle with this, I think we have to continue to lean in. A couple episodes ago, we had Jay Cranda from or uh, from uh, Sa- um, Saddleback on, and I loved what he talked about because he was pushing us on, you know, moving beyond the stream. I think so many of us mm-hmm. are stuck that that like what church online is. We've reduced it down to it's just a stream. It's just like it's just a post of the video. Um, and that's not ministry in the same way that watching, sitting in the back of a service, sitting in the back row of a service is not church, right? That's that's, that's something right. different than church. And so I think we have to keep looking at that. I, I, I love that. It, you know, interesting. It'll be interesting to see how, as that trend continues. Now, kind of connecting these two together, like, do you think, and I, I'm not, so I'm with you. I'm Folks that are listening in, I'm not anti-church online. Listen, we first started doing church online in 2009. I've spent mm-hmm. a lot of time, effort, and energy. I've burned a lot of brain cells around how do we do church online. Like I'm pro church online. So don't, don't save your cards and letters. But do you think <laughs> that there's a connection there between the drop we saw in discipleship stuff in 2020, early 2021, and the kind of the fact that dis- that we were just online, like, and the fact that we now, two years later, if we're not moving people along, we're seeing that drop. Like, are we seeing, are we, there was a, there was a moment where, and Carrie Newhoff's a good friend of both of ours. I know there was mm-hmm. a moment there where he was like, and Carrie, I love you, but he was like, you know, jumping up and down. This is the, this is the revolution we've been all been waiting for. And I've always, always like, yeah. I think it's a part of it. I think it's a yeah. part of what we're talking about, but I don't know that it's all of it. I'm not asking you to pick a fight with Carrie, uh, no. but tell me, what do you think about all that? What do you What do you think? Yeah, I, and actually, I appreciate Carrie really pushing us as churches because yes. it's probably causing us to think further ahead than we would normally be comfortable thinking and mm-hmm. and making some initial uh, innovations and take and test driving some new things that maybe we wouldn't have considered without that push. Mm-hmm. But I will say this, I just, I'm not convinced that the goal for church is to become like Amazon, where we're providing ministry Mm -hmm. online 24-7 when anybody needs it. I'm just, I'm not convinced that that's the case. Um, And again, I I really do think there's some opportunity. I love the fact that you're talking about online, not just being the stream on Sunday, because it's... for it to be effective, it needs to be far more than that. And Mm -hmm. there are ways that we can can connect with people relationally, primarily through social media channels Mm -hmm. that are available Mm -hmm. to us where we're not just promoting what's happening at the church, but we're actually engaging with people online. And then secondly, it's not just the service content that people are looking for online. They're looking Mm -hmm. for answers, next steps around a lot of different topics that people consider 
uh, are considering right now related to family health, um, mm-hmm. marriage health, um, emotional health, and on and on and on. And mm-hmm. there's so much opportunity for churches to engage people with helpful content that does mm-hmm. begin to point people to faith and point people to the church. And so yep. lots of opportunity there, but I don't think trying to become fully online is the answer to the mission mm-hmm. that God's called us to. Yeah, that's good. That's a good flag. I think, you know, we, again, I think we want to find a good balance there. I We want to leverage, um, I've said this in other contexts, I really do think church online for all of us is going to look more like what Jen, Janine or Jenny, Janine Allen uh, does with If Gathering, where it's like, if you look at what their strategy is, it's like, some in person, a ton of online content, mm-hmm. you know, groups that are in person, small groups, large groups, midsize events. Like it's like a whole plethora of con, you know, of ways to connect with the message. I think a lot of, I think we're going to look more like that. We're going to, you know, as we, you know, look to the future. Um, that's exciting. It's interesting. It's exciting times. I, uh, I love it. Was there anything else either from the last report or the next one that's coming up, dun, 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 that, uh, <laughs> you want to, you, you know, you find particularly interesting or you'd love to comment on? Yeah. Let me just highlight in the last report, one of the things that we offered in the, our bonus section was just to look at some of the distinctions between growing and declining churches. And mm-hmm. uh, let me rattle off some of these. Um, growing churches have smaller boards and fewer committees than declining churches. Uh, interestingly, growing churches have less debt than declining churches. I think I would have expected the opposite, that if the church mm. is experiencing growth, in order to help fund that growth, that might they might have to borrow some money to mm-hmm. you know either build new buildings or expand or whatever multi-site whatever that might mm-hmm. look like. And actually, the reverse is true. Uh, growing churches are baptizing a higher percentage of people than declining mm-hmm. churches. I was mm-hmm. glad to see that because, again, I mm-hmm. think there's this assumption that if the church is experiencing growth, they're kind of just poaching Christians mm-hmm. from other churches. It would actually show no. That's not the case. I mean, some of that may be happening, but there's mm-hmm. a re- there's conversion happen, faith mm-hmm. conversion mm-hmm. that's happening in mm-hmm. churches, and they're mm-hmm. seeing more life change. Um, here's one of the big shocks for me, though: declining churches have significantly bigger staff teams than growing churches. Yes. Yeah, you heard that right. Declining yes. churches have bigger staff teams than growing churches in quite a bit bigger declining mm-hmm. churches employ 56% more full-time equivalent employees than growing yeah. churches. And, um, you know, I could, sp- I don't know if we have enough time. I could speculate <laughs> on why that yes. is, but let me just say what we see in churches is when they kind of overstaff and there's a lot of overstaffing in churches right now, mm-hmm. uh, the staff end up doing the ministry. Yes, and the challenge is that's not that's not what we're supposed to be doing. I mean, Paul yes. is pretty clear in Ephesians: we're supposed to be equipping the people of God to engage the work mm-hmm. that God's called us to. And mm-hmm. the church, the growing churches, commonly do a lot better job of hiring people that know how mm-hmm. to raise up other leaders and equip and empower God's people to engage the ministry and. Not only does that help them save some money on staffing, but mm-hmm. it also helps them to become a healthier, thriving church. And that's the yeah, more, I love more that. important part of that story. Here's what's interesting, though, Rich. Mm-hmm. When we looked at some of these differences between growing and declining churches, 
there really wasn't a lot of difference post-pandemic as mm. we were seeing pre-pandemic. In other words, mm. I mm. really think if churches are kind of struggling to get back to where they were, whether that's in life change through baptisms or attendance mm-hmm. or people connecting to serving and groups and whatever, mm-hmm. if that's what you're concerned with right now, a lot of it, a lot of the shift that might need to happen in your churches is just getting mm-hmm. back to some of the fundamentals of healthy church. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not new things that we need to consider. It's right. actually getting back to some of the fundamentals of what we need to be true about healthy, thriving churches. And the good yeah. news that with that is you don't have to guess. You don't have to be you know, predicting what is online going to do or not going to do with our church going forward. You just you kind of need to go back to the mission God's call you to as a church and just mm-hmm. recognize there are certain elements of what healthy church looks like. And we need to double down on that because that's mm-hmm. what's going to make the, the biggest difference for your church today and in the days to come. Love it. Yeah. So friends, you know, Tony is a, is a good guy, super friendly, nice guy. When I read that, when I read this part of this report, the, to be honest, the thing that went through my head is like, Ooh, this is the part where Tony picks fights, uh, you know, and in a good way is like, Hey, pointing out here are some of these tensions. And I, I it's funny. I was thinking about literally that point around higher staff versus le- or more staff versus less staff. There's a church I'm doing some coaching consulting with right now on multi-site and there I'm helping them walking them through launching and, um, and this is a growing church. And yeah. we were talking about the staff footprint at the the new location and, I was pushing for a larger footprint than they wanted to do. And I was in my assumption, what I was like, and the, and it was so great. The executive pastor and lead pastor were like, I just don't, I, they, and they said exactly that. They echoed that. They're like, I think if we hire those people, it will hamper us right from the beginning. We can do this with less staff. Mm-hmm. And it was like, and I had your report ringing in my brain. And I, <laughs> cause I know that I've said that to church leaders in the past, Hey, we're overstaffed. That's going to slow the growth of our church. Mm-hmm. And I was like, it was one of those like, Oh yeah, that's right. It was like another humbling moment. So, uh, I again appreciate the work that you do. You you and your team just do such great work. Friends, if you want to pick up a copy of either the last or by the time this comes out, maybe the next one, all you need to do is go to the unstuckgroup.com forward slash trends. Is there anything else, Tony, you want to share with us as we wrap up today? Any kind of last parting thoughts? Yeah, no, I just I, I can appreciate it. I mean, uh, number one, I've been in ministry like you. And secondly, mm-hmm. I'm still engaged in ministry of a local church. I just, I know the challenges that pastors mm-hmm. and church leaders are experiencing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, it goes well beyond COVID itself. There are a lot of other factors mm-hmm. that are impacting what churches are experiencing right now, but more importantly, what pastors are experiencing right now. And I just want you to know, I'm in your corner. We, Our team, mm-hmm. I continue to pray for you on uh, on a regular basis. We just we 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 love what you're doing. We're grateful mm-hmm. that you're committed committed to this mission. And if there's anything we can be doing to support you and your ministry going forward, we would love to have that opportunity. Love it, friends. Again, I a hearty endorsement from me of the Unstuck Group. They're great people. They uh, they really do want to help. And so you'd be. Uh, you'd be wise to follow them and to reach out if you're like, hmm, we're stuck in an area. We we need some extra help on some things. They were they would be glad to jump on the phone and talk it through. Uh, Tony, where do we want to send people if they want to connect with you or with the uh, Unstuck Group? Yeah, the easiest way is just to go to the website at theunstuckgroup.com. 
Great. Thanks so much. Thanks for being here. Thanks for tuning in to the Unseminary Podcast. Drop by unseminary.com for more helpful resources for you and your team. There you will find articles, online courses, and so much more. Unseminary, stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Presented by CDF Capital. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary.